Welcome to AZPM News Daily, a roundup of all the day's news from Arizona Public Media. I'm Steve Jess. Coming up today, the University of Arizona picks a new athletic director. I'm thrilled to welcome her, and we are deeply appreciative that she will join our community. Pima County may need more than a new jail. The community does not have a place for people who are truly in crisis. And can you spell macchiato? We know a guy who can, and he's in the eighth grade. First up today, the University of Arizona has announced Desiree Reed-Francois will be its new athletic director. UA President Robert Robbins shared the news with the university community. Desiree Reed-Francois no doubt is the right person to lead Arizona athletics at this critical junction in our history. I'm thrilled to welcome her, and we are deeply appreciative that she will join our community. Reed Francois is a graduate of the University of Arizona College of Law and was previously the athletic director at the University of Missouri and the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Terms of her contract were not disclosed. The Arizona Daily Star reports she will receive a five-year deal starting at a million dollars annually. She replaces Dave Hickey, who was fired in January amidst financial issues in the athletic department. He remains on the university's payroll through March of 2025. The University of Arizona is a contender to appear in college basketball's biggest event scheduled for Phoenix in April. Organizers for the Men's Division I Final Four were in Tucson Saturday to generate excitement for the show. Tony Perkins reports. The NCAA basketball tournament begins next month at sites around the country, and it concludes in Phoenix beginning April 6th. Organizing Committee CEO Jay Perry says there will be plenty for Tucsonans to see and do inside State Farm Stadium in Glendale, even if the Arizona Wildcats don't make it to the Final Four. You'll see the court laid down, the big center home scoreboard, lots of fan activations around, so that's free. There's also an outdoor music festival, along with celebrity events and interactive games planned for the Phoenix Convention Center. This year's community project will focus on improvements at East Lake Park near downtown. I'm Tony Perkins, AZPM News. Fire investigators in Bisbee have not been able to identify what caused a fire that destroyed two businesses off Main Street Wednesday evening. Summer Hom has that story. Bisbee Mayor Ken Budge said that the call for the fire came in at 9.12 Wednesday night, and he was on the scene by 9.30. By then, it was already roaring out the windows. Our first engine was on scene and, and tried to do a fast attack to it, but it was just too many flames. Bisbee Fire Chief Jim Richardson says crews from the Douglas Fire Department, Tombstone Fire Department, Naco Fire Department, and Sunnyside Fire Department all took part in combating the blaze. At this point, Mayor Budge says that there's no leads to how the fire started, as the remaining brick walls of the buildings are unstable and pose a danger to investigators. That's why we have a structural engineer coming to tell us what we can do. He plans to provide an update in tomorrow's city council meeting. In Bisbee, I'm Summer Hom. AZPM News. On a party-line vote, Arizona state senators have advanced a bill to reduce the amount of fentanyl needed for criminal prosecution from 9 grams to 1 pill. Tucson Republican State Senator Justine Wadsack, who sponsored the bill, says the law's tolerance level is too high, given how little it takes for fentanyl to be lethal. 
But opponents, including the ACLU of Arizona, say the bill will only harm the community by putting more people in jail and wasting taxpayer dollars. The DEA has a campaign called One Pill Can Kill, highlighting the dangers of fentanyl. The agency says seven out of every ten pills seized have a lethal dose. Federal energy officials have denied permits for a controversial hydropower project on the Navajo Nation in northern Arizona. Alex Hager reports advocates are hailing the move as a win for tribes. The Federal Energy Regulatory Commission said it would establish a new policy and will not allow projects on tribal lands if the tribe itself shows opposition. Adrian Herter with the nonprofit Tuanaja'ane says pushback from nearby residents played a big role. I think that was able to really help provide that, um, to strengthen that argument from the Navajo Nation Department of Justice regarding the lack of community consultation and consent. The Navajo Nation, as well as indigenous and conservation groups, said the project could have damaged important underground water supplies and sacred lands in an area already dealing with harms caused by decades of coal extraction. I'm Alex Hager. The Goldwater Institute says it's suing the U.S. Department of Education under the Freedom of Information Act. The records sought relate to the department's investigation and nearly $38 million fine of Grand Canyon University last year. Staff attorney Stacy Skanky says something seems wrong about the huge fine levied against GCU. We will see exactly what we're able to uncover, um, if there's anything egregious there, if this proves that they are targeting GCU. The Institute wants to see emails about the GCU case between top education officials, the chair of the Federal Trade Commission, and others. The university is appealing the fine and denies misleading students about the cost of graduate programs. Arizona Corporation Commissioner Nick Myers says outside mandates threaten Arizona's affordable and reliable utility service. At a congressional hearing last week, Myers said that one of the challenges Arizona utility regulators face is the forced early retirement of coal plants without adequate replacement. Personally, it pains me to have to approve accelerated cost recovery for early shutdown of coal plants, while at the same time authorizing recovery on new purchase power agreements. And then, because the utilities are ultimately responsible for keeping the lights on, we also have to approve the building of reliable, dispatchable generation in the form of natural gas. Commissioner Myers argues ratepayers are paying more because of federal mandates to retire coal-fired plants early. The federal government wants to phase out coal to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. He also said energy reliability and affordability face challenges due to unprecedented growth in load and peak demand, which are expected to continue in the future. The head of the U.S. Forest Service is warning the agency is facing budget cuts that could affect thousands of employees. Michel Morisco has this story. Forest Service Chief Randy Moore sent a letter to the agency's 30,000 employees that gaps in funding will affect salaries, information technology needs, and other services. Moore celebrated a 5% cost of living increase for employees, but said that will need to come out of available funds. He offered no specifics on what portion of the agency's budget will ultimately be reduced for the new fiscal year. He warned that the USDA, which oversees the Forest Service, is developing budget cut guidelines. In Flagstaff, I'm Michel Marisco.
Eighth grader Ricardo Cabrera has won the 2024 Pima County Spelling Bee, correctly spelling Macchiato, in the 10th and final round of the competition on Saturday. Cabrera, from Dodge Magnet Middle School, outlasted runner-up Bryant Banzoff, a fifth grader from Marana, and 36 other students to become this year's champion. Both Cabrera and Banzoff will advance to the Arizona State Spelling Bee next month in Phoenix. They'll compete against winners from other counties to represent Arizona at the Scripps National Spelling Bee in Maryland in May. By the way, it's M-A-C-C-H-I-A-T-O, in case you were wondering. In late 2022, Pima County Sheriff Chris Nanos told the Board of Supervisors conditions inside the Pima County Jail were a full-blown crisis. At that time, inmates filled the jail to 92% capacity, while the number of corrections officers fell by 30%. In response, the county created a Blue Ribbon Commission. The 10 volunteers on the commission spent the next year examining the issues facing the jail and whether or not the county should build a new one. Now, its work has culminated in a nearly 300-page report that paints a picture of an aging facility that consistently fails to handle the changing demands of the jail population. In this in-depth report, Hannah Cree takes us through the 300-page document and what could happen next. The commission report says there are two feasible options for the Pima County Jail. Renovate the existing buildings and add a new housing unit, or start over with a brand new building. But even those involved will tell you it's far from that simple. Besides the obstacle of cost, which is estimated to start in the $600 million range, the commission's final report is an illustration of how the jail is now serving as a convergence point of society's biggest problems. India Davis, commission member and former Corrections Bureau chief, explains. That, that's really the crux of it. The community does not have a place for people who are truly in crisis. According to the final Blue Ribbon report, the jail is particularly deficient in handling inmates with substance abuse issues and mental illness. That point was driven home by repeated fines for the company providing health care for the jail for not having enough staff. In 2023, an average of 400 inmates needed mental health evaluations a month, and a third of the jail's population was on long-term medication. Healthcare providers told commissioners there's a serious need for quiet housing and therapy rooms in the jail, but there is no space to expand. Davis says at the current rate of mentally ill bookings, the jail will need bigger space. Um, it takes more people to manage people who are in crisis. The fentanyl crisis also complicates medical care. 61% of new inmates booked at the jail are put on detox protocols, averaging over 800 people a month. Fentanyl also has a much longer and more intense withdrawal period than other drugs, meaning inmates need to stay there longer. Davis explains one issue with the current setup is that detox facilities are not directly next to the medical wing. For the detox, you need higher observations. You know, you really need to have those particular inmates and people on protocol co-located with your medical unit so that you can have a quick and speedy response. Their health is a little bit more fragile. In late 2022, right before the Blue Ribbon Commission was formed, reporting from the independent news outlet AZ Luminaria called the jail an unconstitutional hole. While most jails see one or two deaths a year, the report found Pima County has an average of 10, making it one of the most deadly in the country. 
Those findings fueled the public backlash against the commission's efforts to build a new jail. Activist groups who rallied around the family members of those who have died in the jail spoke to the Board of Supervisors and even held a protest that canceled a commission meeting in August. To those like Drew Fellows, a paralegal and member of the No New Jail Coalition, the biggest point of contention was the commission's findings that any project to improve the jail needs to add an additional 1,100 beds for the next 20 years. The scope of the Blue Ribbon Commission itself, there really wasn't even an option to even consider depopulation. But those with seemingly opposing opinions on what should be done seem to agree on the issues more than you'd expect. Namely, society's most vulnerable should not be in jail. Pima County Sheriff Chris Nanos has repeatedly said he thinks a new jail is still the best option, but his jail should not be expected to handle every problem. He says if the population struggling with mental health in the jail were able to be moved to a designated facility... You've you've depleted my jail about almost half, maybe two-thirds. Just do that alone. So then you wouldn't need 30,000 beds. But at the same time, the sheriff says he is worried about accommodating too much. But to build an entire facility around those needs, you're telling your community that you want services, you got to be arrested first. And that's the image I want to avoid. It shouldn't be at your front door of any jail. That should be going on in the community. On the other side, activists like Fellows maintain that investment in services outside the jail is the best way to solve the problems inside. The jail is not a solution for all this. These folks need adequate housing. They need health care. The roots of crime is not crime itself, it's poverty. It's safe to say the problem extends far beyond the physical building. But now, commissioners like Davis are saying they recognize that. We don't believe that a, new, that a bigger, better jail is going to solve the community social justice problem. We don't believe that that's going to solve the substance use, the alcoholism problem, the homelessness problem. But it definitely will fix some of the things that are happening based on the age and deterioration of that building. County Administrator Jan Lesher released her opinion on the report last week and recommended four options. Her first priority is hiring an independent contractor to gauge the most pressing infrastructure repairs in the report, rusting pipes, damaged plumbing, and elevators, and another working group to examine cost. There is deferred maintenance. There is need for some repair so that it is a safe facility. She also agreed the current jail falls short in health care needs and wants to increase the corrections health services budget for the next fiscal year. And most significantly, Lesher called for the formation of a new commission, this time tasked with exploring a lower bed capacity and alternatives to incarceration. Community activist groups are seeing this move as a huge win and calling the potential new jail dead on social media. But Lesher says the board can choose to do any number of things. They can choose to uh, approve the four recommendations. They could deny the four recommendations. You know, they could approve part of the recommendations. They could direct staff to uh, go back and start over. Projects of this scale take time to plan and even more to build. For the time being, the intersecting problems at the jail will undoubtedly continue. But depending on the Board of Supervisors' decision tomorrow, there could be a clearer path forward. I'm Hannah Cree, AZPM News.
And now you're caught up on the stories we've covered today at Arizona Public Media. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to AZPM News Daily wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Steve Jess. We'll be back tomorrow.